Well, there is no doubt that we are people who are drawn to light in its various forms. Uh, Some of you tomorrow morning will marvel at the sunrise and, and hopefully will take a moment to praise God for the ability to see that. Uh, We are drawn every year to Christmas lights. Uh, That's something that a lot of people enjoy, are the lights of that season. In uh, the most visited city in the world is known as the City of Lights. In some parts of the world, they get to view the northern lights. Me, like some of you, I own flashlights. (laughs) because the wisdom of my Bubba, my big brother, he once told me, I think I was in college and headed off to Wyoming, and he said, have you got a flashlight? I said, no. He said, what are you thinking, man? Bad stuff doesn't happen during the daytime. And and there's a lot of truth in that, right? If your car breaks down, it seems like it's more often that it's at night than it is during the day or something. But there is no doubt that we see the benefit of, of light. And we don't get very far into Holy Scripture and we see that light is mentioned the first of numerous times in God's Word that light is mentioned. And from Genesis 1 verses 3 and 4, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. The light was divided from the darkness. Church family, hold that thought as we look into John chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi... Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world." After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He made me go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. And so right there, we have a man born blind, and he has an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus 
changes his life. And so, if we were to read on, we would see that what happens then is word gets around, hey, you know that guy that used to be blind? The guy that used to sit and beg? Because, of course, in the ancient culture... Being blind meant that you had no way of supporting yourself. You had no way of working. And so he would sit and beg as a result of his blindness. And then word gets around, hey, you know that guy, he can see now. And church family, let's put ourselves in that man's shoes for just a moment. Think about being blind from birth. And in an instant, once he goes to Siloam, once he washes that mud off of those eyes and opens those eyes and he can see, he's walking along the road and he can see the sky. He can see the sunlight. He can see the clouds. He can see the trees. He can see the grass. He can see the hills. All those things that someone might have described to him or he might have overheard as he sat begging, might have overheard people discussing. He could only imagine what that might look like. And I don't know, church, if you've never seen in your life, how do you even imagine what something looks like? And so you put yourself in his shoes... And imagine for the first time in his life being able to see the face of his own mother. But the most beautiful thing he saw that day was the face of the one who healed him. The face of the one who came to save him and who came to save all of us. But then in steps the opposition, right church? Because in life at some point, there's going to be some tension. There's going to be some opposition. There are going to be critics. It happens. This group of critics happens to be known as Pharisees. And so the Pharisees then call the guy in and say, hey... What happened? And then they even began to question, I'm not so sure you were born blind. So they get the idea, well, we'll call his parents in. We'll get to the bottom of this. They're holding a whole set of hearings on the matter. And so in comes mom and dad. And mom and dad testify and they say, yes, that's our son. And yes, he was born blind. And then... The question comes, well then, how is it if he was born blind that he can see now? Now, here's where mom and dad feel like they need to be a little bit shrewd. Because they know what's going to happen if from their response to these questions that people say, well, they are proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. They're saying that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And they knew without a doubt that if they made that proclamation or if their responses to these questions 
led people to think that's what they were saying, that they themselves would be put out of the synagogue. Now, we can look back on this 1900 years later and say, you needed Jesus, you didn't need that synagogue, right? But you put yourself in their first century shoes and they didn't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. And so they simply say, you know what? Our son is of age, which is basically saying, our son is a legal adult. He can speak for himself. Why don't you ask him what happened? We weren't there. And so they get off the witness stand and in comes the son called to bear witness before these Pharisees once again. And so we skip down in John 9 to verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Amen, church? They're calling Jesus a sinner. Of course, we know that's not the case. But they've been trying for a while. They will continue to try for a while to trap Jesus somehow. To prove once and for all that he's not the Messiah. That he's not the Son of God. And so the man has replied, Hey, I don't know if he's a sinner. Here's what I do know. You know, I woke up one morning and like every other morning that preceded that, I could not see and now I can. Verse 26, Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And church right there, that's the problem. We don't know him. We don't know his people. Because the rabbis of the day would have studied for years and would have sat at the feet of a rabbi that they know. And so Jesus comes out of nowhere and is performing signs and miracles and is teaching in a way that no matter how many times the Pharisees, the Sadducees, or anyone else try to trap him, they simply cannot. Verse 30, the man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. 
Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Now, this is an amazing story to me. And I appreciate this guy because he speaks truth to power. I appreciate this guy because he essentially throws it all back in their face. And he uses reason to say, listen, how does a guy open the eyes of a blind man if he's steeped in sin? How does a guy do what Jesus has done if he is not from God? Essentially telling these Pharisees, listen, (laughs) you're supposed to be men of God, but I don't see any of you opening my eyes. You all had plenty of chances when you walked by me while I was begging on the street. And there in church is a case for the church people, right? That we, as the people who come and worship with the Lord's people in the Lord's house on the Lord's day, that nobody looks at us and says, boy, they had numerous opportunities to do something for me. Boy, the church people big gray building, been sitting there a hundred years at the corner of uh, South Park and Second. Took me a second there. Yeah. Boy, they had lots of opportunities to bless me in some way. But they never did. At church, we have to remember, don't we? That while it is day, We need to do the work of the one who sent him. Jesus makes it very clear. When they ask him, who was it that sinned, this man? Or is he paying the sin for his parents? And Jesus essentially says, guys, your thinking is way off. When he responds in those early verses of John 9. He says, it's neither his parents nor him. And what we need to be about is serving people. And he makes that declaration right before he changes the man's life. Right before he blesses him. Now we might not be able to open the eyes of the blind. We may not be able to heal broken bones. But we can love and we can encourage. We can love and we can serve. We can love and we can forgive. And when we do that, then we're doing the work of the Father. In... 1 John 1, 5 through 5-7, this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. 
If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. Right, church? All sin. Now, remember what I told you to not forget. That when God created light, He divided light from darkness. And what Brother John is reminding us here right now is that when we become children of God, when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, that yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, when we rise out of those waters of baptism, we're a new creation. We are a child of light. And what do children of light need not do? Step back into the darkness, right church? But that's what we wrestle with every day. Because sometimes we're like Lot's wife. We want to turn around and look back. God wants us looking forward. God wants us embracing the light. He wants us to say, praise you God for the light. The light is amazing. And with this light, I have no reason at all to go back to what I was. To go back to doing those things. Here's the problem with spending a bit of time in darkness. Sometimes that darkness becomes what we know. Sometimes the darkness becomes what we're comfortable with. And so sometimes even though we step into the light and we embrace the light, we still have those thoughts about what we left back in the darkness. And church, that is not who we are supposed to be. We are not to be people who want to just, well, it's not going to hurt anybody if I just kind of lean over here to this part of the light, this part that's closer to the darkness. You know where I'm, I'm close enough that I can just sort of reach back in the darkness just to remind myself of how glorious the light is. And oh, the human mind, the human condition, the fallen, broken state of us can, can justify anything, can't we? Say, well, I'm not going to hurt anybody if I actually reach back into the darkness. And what you're reaching for can be as unique as you. Your sin is your sin. My sin is my sin. And there's a reason we don't show up and take turns in front of the microphone talking about our sin, right? Because 
as children of light, we don't want to talk about that. We don't want to admit that we still struggle with wanting to reach back into a portion of that darkness from which we were called out of. 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And we know what it's like at different times to marvel at the light. We've marveled at the sunrise. We've marveled at the sunset. We've marveled at the stars in the sky. Last night, walking the dog about 11.30, I was marveling at some of that lightning that I saw up around I-40. Reminded of God's power. Of God's ability to create something nothing. Earlier today there was a sky there. Now it's a sky filled with storms. And at least from a distance, it looked pretty cool. Now, if I was 50 miles north, they might not have thought it was as cool at the time when they were under severe thunderstorm warnings. I get that. But I nonetheless was able to marvel at God's creation. To marvel at that light. And church family, let's marvel at the light that we walk in as children of God. Let's marvel at the light that we get to bask in. His light. A light that He created, a light that He provides. Praise God for the light. Praise God that He called us out of darkness. But church, let's not be people who forget that our focus as children of light is to introduce others to this marvelous light. To love them, to serve them, to forgive them. Anytime they may have wronged us. And church, let's be careful that we don't turn around and reach back into the darkness that we were called out of. Let's make sure we leave that behind. If you are with us this morning and you have not yet stepped into the light, we offer an invitation and we sing a song so that you can step out into that aisle and come down here and say, I am ready to embrace the light. I am ready to be a child of God once and for all. The waters of baptism await you this morning. And if you're with us this morning and you've got something that's weighing on you, that you could just simply use the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ. We offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand together and